We're live, we're kicking, and on today's episode, I've got Adam back with me. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Good to be back. Happy days. So on today's episode, we're going to speak about building resilience. And something I say all the time, what is the greatest story ever? It's a comeback story, Adam. So what do you think about building resilience? I think you kind of summed it up there a bit, mate. It's, building resilience is often, you need to sort of have that setback in the first place, mate. You need to have a period of your life where... Maybe not quite rock bottom, but you're at a place where you like, can't keep doing this any longer. And then from there, you're going to have to work in the things that are needed to help you overcome all the things that have went wrong. Um, so you're going to have to build new habits and disciplines to take you there. That's that's building resilience, mate. It is indeed. And can you share maybe some experience, like I know, any experience? Can you share a experience of your life where things have... There has been hardship and you've overcame it and what your actionable steps were. Yep, yep. Um, well, I think probably for me, mate, it's the one, obviously I've talked about it in your podcast before, but obviously when I had the suicidal thoughts, mate, and just nothing was going my way and I suppose it was that rock bottom moment for me, mate. And um, something needs to change. That's when you're like, right, what am I doing right now that's not serving me? And that the first thing for me, mate, was alcohol. It was, like, it was making me feel 10 times worse. So straight away I was like, right, I just can't be around booze. So I took myself away from the situation of going out with my mates and stuff like that. Wasn't going to pubs and I just wasn't drinking at all. That was the first one. So I suppose that was a habit of not drinking. And then I suppose it was wanting to be around more positive things, mate. So for me, it started with like, um, I was going to say podcast, but it wasn't even podcast back in the day, mate. It was like audio tapes. When has podcast <laughs> became? How long podcast been out? I how, don't know. how long has podcast Few years? I think it's well over ten years. Ten, ten years. Ten go. years. Fuck. I was thinking like back then, wasn't it? Wasn't it like a podcast? Yeah. It was just like it was audio tapes. It was uh, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Um, I think it was Awaken the Giant Within. Mm-hmm. And I just listened to that every night. Also, this was back in the day. Just unplug the TV, mate. That was one of the first things I did was unplug the TV. I was I don't want to watch shit or do nothing. Now all all I want to do is sort of work in myself. And uh, so that was listening to that. And I think, I'm sure the book, I'm sure it came with a book as well. And just reading through that and just taking wee personal notes and sort of writing down like wee small goals that I wanted to achieve for the next wee bit. And I think it's easy to be a, a, a wandering man, mate, in life where you just don't have any goals and you're just sort of going, life's meaningless. That, that was you know, one of the things that I'd brought up when I, I wrote my, my suicide note, but when I reached out for help, was that I just felt like I was... Life was pointless. I didn't have any purpose to life. I was just wandering like aimlessly through it. Um, so I think like setting wee small goals mm-hmm. was the, the first step towards it. And Austin, which was the case back then, it was a physical goal, was one of the first ones. It was kind of when I got back into the gym, I was like, right, I'm just going to gym every day. And I literally, mate, I stayed, I would say, a four minute walk from the gym. So I was there straight after working in at night time, mate, obviously. I wasn't going out anymore. I was single, stayed by myself. So I wanted to try and keep myself busy because you know yourself when you're, you're sitting there in silence with nothing else around you. I've turned the TV off. Yet those negative thoughts can come in. So I was just going to the gym every night and I was just spending 40 minutes on a cross, on a cross trainer, mate. Mm-hmm. Just working away. It was like maybe half eight, nine. And I'd come in and go to my bed. Were you listening to any like, positive Things in your ears or stuff. Always, mate. I say I did that awake in the giant within. <coughs> yeah. And uh, back then, this was probably when I first got into YouTube, mate. Was uh, Eric Thomas? 
Eric Thomas. <laughs> Do you know Eric Thomas? I know Eric Thomas, and I know I know someone that mean you are familiar with Les Brown. I love big Les Brown as well. Yeah. So it was Eric Thomas and Les Brown, mate, and uh, Tony Robbins. The other sort of the three that I always listen to, and even to this day, mate, they're still the three that are probably kind of my go-to's when I went to listen to something. You know, in the gym, I don't listen to music, mate. I always listen to like motivational stuff, self-help stuff. It's always one of them. Um, and I've really been a fan of music. Like, I don't not like music, mate, but I can listen to anything. Um, so I'd much rather listen to something that had a, a positive impact on me. Um, Les Brown. It just, everything he says, mate, it just makes sense. And it kind of gears you up. And it's the same with Eric Thomas. They kind of get you going. I think it was um, his first, I wouldn't say the podcast, but his first YouTube series was, um, I think it was called Thank God It's Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's what it was called and it was great. If you ever get a chance to go back and watch some of them. And it's funny because obviously he's now got like millions of subscribers, mate. But even if you go back and watch some of the old videos, they don't have that many views on them, which goes to show how quickly things can change. De- def- definitely. I think the self-help industries became mass, massive just because I mean, people are obviously struggling with their, their mindset. Do you think it can be ne- negative as well that Maybe it's became so massive that maybe some people are putting out the wrong advice, or do you think there's such a thing as wrong advice when it comes to self-help? That's a good. That's a, that's a good question. Is I don't. If it's, a, I think anyone can be motivational, and anyone can give anyone motivation if that picks someone up to go and take action and make change in their life. So for their words are resonating with someone, and that person can take inspiration for that and go and make the change that they need for whatever whatever hardship that they're feeling at that time and I don't think there's any, any wrong words when it comes to self-help or try to give someone some sort of motivation to do to do better. One of the first self-help books I read was The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Wisdom Peel. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've, I've read it mate. Right, so this is when I started to understand when you're feeling that you're lost or you're feeling like, right, I need to make a comeback for mine's was addiction. I read that book and I was starting to take it in and it was all almost all about positive thinking and I came across affirmations. And affirmations, for me at the time, I was saying them, but you don't really, they don't really penetrate until you keep doing them and building a habit with them, such as things like within that book. It's quite, for anybody who, who's listening, they do go and it's quite a it's religious mm-hmm. aspect of it. it. It brings, like, a higher power into it. And for me, that was fine because that's what I needed at the time. But the biggest thing for that book for me was the, the giving you that power of telling yourself that you're good enough, that you can do things, that you're confident to have little affirmation cards in your pocket for when your mindset starts and that voice, that self-sabotaging voice starts to tell you these negative things that you can bring them out. Read them. I'm confident. I'm good enough. I deserve success. Whatever it is that you you write on your affirmation cards. And back then when I was going through that period of time and I was reading that book, it was, hard, it was hard for me for them to penetrate, but then you realise as you get better and better and you start building on them, it starts penetrating and you start rewiring your programme. Does that make sense? Yeah, where I'm going I, with this? Did you say, mate, like, the affirmations, obviously when you first start saying them, you know, 
you have to walk down the street, I am the best, I am great, I am confident. You feel like a twat to start with. And because it's not something you're used to, you don't really believe it. But as you say, when you start to put in the other work that's involved in becoming more confident, more happy, you you do start to kind of believe it a wee bit more because your confidence has increased, your happiness has increased. So then the affirmations have even more effect because you, you start to believe it. Um, I think people can feel really awkward when they first start with affirmations. Um, I think what you're saying is we post-its is a good one. Just a wee reminders every here and there to, oh, right, I'm confident, right? Confident thoughts. Because I think that wee voice in our head, mate, can be a killer for so many things. You know, I'm sure everybody watching and listening to this can relate to the, sometimes the way we speak to ourselves. If somebody... If you spoke to somebody else like that, you'd be disgusted at yourself. Or if somebody spoke to you like that, you'd be like, who are you to talk to me like that? But some of the things I've said in my own head before is, is horrible. Oh, Matt, oh, massively. I think nine times out of ten, people are their own worst critics. They sit and self-sabotage yourself, tell yourself you're no good enough. Obviously that for years, hence I'm reading The Power of Positive Thinking. You could see where the type of mindset I was in to be reading that sort of book mm-hmm. at that time. And the things I got from it were, were valuable, such as the affirmations. But for me, and my realisation came, it wasn't about reading affirmations and telling yourself confident. It's about what are the actionable steps to become confident. Because we can tell ourselves these things all the time, I'm confident, I'm good enough. But we have to look at the areas that are holding us back to go and then do the, the, the self-work. Obviously, there's a lot of the years, eh, the law of attraction, yep. as I like to call it. If you want to get things in life, things aren't they just got to come to you, mate, in life, sitting about going, right, I want to, <laughs> I want to earn a million pounds, I want to be rich, I want to have the best body. Law of attraction's a lot of shit for me. Like I'm putting it out there, a lot of shit. What it is, is the law of taking fucking action. Yep. The law of... To quote Les Brown, the law of taking consistent action. That's the only way you've got to get what you want out of your life. If you want to get the best career, you want to have a successful business, you want to, for an example, we're talking on the last podcast there, relationships and dating. Mm-hmm. If you want to get the guy who you fancy or the women who you fancy, you've not got to exist, you've not got to come to you and talk to you. Not exactly. You have to get up off your ass and go and get and go and speak to them and go and put your, yourself out there and and be no fearful of rejection. So does that make the law of consistent state? See this, I see this whole the law of attraction and think. I think it's a con, mate. I, I think thinking about it can help bring it more to the forefront. But if you don't actually do anything on top of that, mate, then it's literally pointless. But I think this is where people get people are getting sold on. Oh, mate, you think positive. If they see like stuff like this, which is good to infiltrate and start reprogramming your mind with positive thoughts, positive ways of thinking. But the next step is right. What's the plan? Yeah, exactly. How am I got? How am I got to be financially secure? How am I got to start? Like, how many people dream of starting their own business but never do it? And do you think you touched on it a minute ago? The fear of failure stops people. But but why? Like, why are people so scared of failure? You can also flip that in the head and go, why are people scared of success? Yeah, I, 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 totally. and I, I think yeah, I think it stems back to how you were brought up, how you were conditioned. Mm-hmm. 
So, for instance, if we talk about money, if you were living in a, a household, your mother and father were always worrying about money, worrying about spending. Nine times out of ten, you've got to develop that mindset around money. Are you growing up in a household where you're told that, right, son, let's go, you can be a football player, you can be whatever you want to be, or are you told, no, don't do that, go and get a job, go and get a 95? So I think this is where our fear of success comes from, but also the fear of failure, where if we do put ourselves out there, are we worrying about what that person's got to think of me if I fail this? But what I always say is it's a good lead into failure is you need to try things. You need to be willing to fail. How else have you got to learn? Something that I see, and I'm always making mistakes and I'm always failing, is I just see them as a trial run, mate, to when you actually eventually achieve what you set out to. Yeah, I think that's the problem, mate. People see failure as a fine, like a, a final thing, like, oh, he's failed. But really, you, didn't, you only fail if you actually say, right, that's it, I'm not going to do it again. But if you got back up, brushed yourself off, and did it again, and learnt from it. The boot camp's a prime example, mate. Before me and you started it, I think I'd failed four times at attempt to do a boot camp, mate. Yeah. But every single one, I took something from it and learnt, like, number one, don't do pay as you go. Cause it, I know you're going to say that. <laughs> the second yeah. one was, don't do it in a park, because it's absolutely cake and mud when the winter comes. Yeah, so it's ex- exactly all these fight. all... You're not starting from scratch, you're starting for experience every mm-hmm. time you fail and all and people should all always remember that be willing to be willing to fail because it's the only way you've got to learn in life and as we talk about failures I've every day every day I'm trying different things I'm trying and I'm like right if it doesn't work out then I've I can take stock and move forward instead of as something we were talking about here is the all or nothing where people, for instance, with, when you're starting that journey to become a better version of yourself, lose body fat, you're, I don't know, two, three weeks, you're smashing it, you're motivated, you're on with your diet, you're eating healthy, you're losing a wee bit of weight, then you're like, oh shit, I've got a birthday party coming up, I've got a night out. You start thinking over thinking about it, and you get, and because you've not changed your mindset or your habits, they're not fully cemented in, you find it hard to say no. So you end up boozing, drinking, whatever you do, and then you wake up, hangover, maybe Sunday morning, Monday, and you're like, oh, fuck it, I fucked it. I fucked it. I fucked all that, that diet, that all that hard work I've put in, and then you just revert back to the start. Yep. Um, which is probably a good one. You, you, you talked about motivation now, mate, those first two to three weeks. How does someone go from motivation, which is great, you know, we talked about it, the self-help bit there, there's no, probably no such thing as bad motivation that gets somebody started. But how does somebody go from feeling motivated, which only lasts X period of time, to actually continuing it on and making sure it becomes like habits and discipline? So, as you know, motivate everybody will know motivation comes and goes. When we start something new, say you buy into the Live and Kitting program, me set, I set your plan. Right, this is your goals over the next six months. You've got to be excited. You've got to be, right, I'm ready for change. You've got to be highly motivated. You've got to do all these actionable steps. And and it's something I see, you maybe get to a month and they're like, right, the motivation starts to go because 
Now you're having to rely on discipline for the, when the days get hard, such as when you've had a stressful day, when the kids are, are, are being wee brats, when you get to work and everybody's been an energy vampire, or you wake up and you're not feeling great. This is where people have to understand and come to the self-realisation that motivation comes and goes, and when we do get motivation, we have to ride that wave. But when it does go, is what we then rely on is the good habits and discipline that we've built in place. So when an obstacle or a challenge does come in your life, that you're like, right, this is part and parcel of life. That's something I deal with all the time is when people have got to sign up, they go, I've got a holiday in two weeks, I'll sign up after that that holiday. And I'm like, you got to go on holiday all the time. you got to have parties, you've got to have events. Yep. The whole point, and you come out of the Alive and Kidding programme is because you want to build knowledge, you want to build a mindset, you want to build a lifestyle where you can manage yourself. You can manage occasions where, if we talk about the all or nothing approach, if you do the all and then you do have an occasion like a holiday and you, you, you think you fuck it, that's not the case. It's about overcoming that challenge. We see it as a challenge like going on holiday because there's booze, there's... Steady seeing, I just see it's part of Parcel's life, but when that holiday's finished, you're just back on track again. I think as well, just in the holiday thing and talking about habits and that, people make the mistake of thinking that a holiday is an opportunity to just forget everything you've ever learned. There's still there's still good habits that people can do daily. Like just because it's an all you can eat buffet for the morning doesn't mean that you need to eat everything that's presented to you. You can still make great choices and feel full and people need to think about the long-term benefits of, you know, what was the goal? How did I want to feel? It's it's not always like, you don't have to just stop, full stop. It's like, as you said about the holiday thing, mate, the, the all or nothing, it's like when people say, oh, I'm really busy at work now, but you're never going to be busy at work again. Of course, but, but what about if we actually put in place habits and principles and disciplines so that next time you're busy at work, you're able to cope and manage and, See it through instead of having this, oh, I'll just not do anything because I'm busy at work. I think it all good when we're saying that. Everything comes down to what you see as a priority. Mm-hmm. Do you see, For me, it's like I try and coach people when they go and do you see your work as a priority? First and foremost, before your health. You ask them that and they'll go, no, my health's a priority. So why, you know, exercising and doing eating healthy foods and that's making your health a priority. That's making you the priority. That's your form of self-care. Do you see your kids? Are they, are they the pride? And it's trying to change somebody's mindset to understand that they come first when they're, they're, they're going to make change. They've got to build a resilient mindset. They've got to build a mindset that's got to, that's got to give them the, the tools to negotiate life. It's got to give them the, <clears throat> the options where they go, right, do you know what? Aye, this is life, there is challenges, there is obstacles, there is things that are got to be challenging, there is got to be bad days. It's no an opportunity to let a bad day then turn into a bad week, or a bad week turn into a bad month, or a bad month then turns into a bad year, mate, which nine times out of ten, as is, is you see a lot of, which, aye, it can be understandable, but what you want to do is knock bad, bad days on, on the head, so it doesn't lead to a bad week. If you end up having a bad week, you don't let that fucking lead to a bad month. And that's how people get stuck in a rut, a massive rut. 
they don't know how to get started again. So what would you say for people who do get stuck in a rut like that, mate? What would you what would you say to them? What would you say to them get started? That's the question I was going to ask you. <laughs> um, <coughs> I think first of all you have to recognise that you are stuck in that rut. That something needs to change, and probably at that moment in time, it's time to do like the sort of a one eighty. You know, do a, do a full twist and say, right, I need to do something. Maybe not dramatic is the word here, but you need to do something to take you out of that initial rut. We were obviously talking about just beforehand about how eating takeaway gets out of control because you do it one night and then you're like, oh, do it tomorrow, and then tomorrow turns into you're doing it lunch and dinner. But the only way to kind of stop that is to write, right, what, why am I doing this? And it's mostly because we can't be cooking. So first of all, you need to jump in the old my fitness pal, plug it in. Here's what I'm going to eat and then go and make it so that you're you're sort of eliminating choices mate I suppose that's what I'm getting down to is that you want to make it so that you have to make less choices it's an easier decision to just say right this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it instead of just letting yourself kind of go with it and go where you want to feel it wants to go. Aye 100% I think that's when you talk about nutrition is it it's hard to stop that landslide where it is takeaways at night as the just just the app sitting on the couch like fuck do I have to go and make dinner or can I just go and get on that app and <laughs> get often it is it habit and get and get it delivered it does come down to being in a rut and I'd say laziness as well because when we get stuck in ruts and when we get in certain habits it be looking at go to the shops and cooking a healthy meal which will take you say 20 minutes 30 minutes then becomes a hassle doesn't it as opposed to sitting on your couch on the phone boom 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 there's a guy chaps your door it, 15 minutes later you just eat it all right as a laziness thing making i actually had this point with maybe about a year ago with calvin where i was like i'm just not ordering takeaway anymore because i was like it takes t- too long to come so you know i'm hungry mate i went fed like there and then and it used to be that takeaway I would say was relatively quick but see now I don't think takeaway is all that quick I could actually make something in the house mm-hmm. quicker mm-hmm. and they can be delivered now but it, it is it's like a you've just fallen into a sort of rut don't you you just can't be bothered doing it and it's just easier to just do the it's, it's an easier option and if it is an easier option I think when you are breaking it up it's doing something completely out that cycle like do you know what I'm actually got to go to the shops tonight and buy healthy food and cook myself a healthy meal and that breaks the cycle yep. and that's what I say for Andy stuck in a rut mate is if you want to break the cycle do something completely outside the box so if you're no exercising go up and go a walk yeah if you want to do some dr- something dramatic or the cold water stuff, go and throw yourself in a cold shower, go throw yourself in a, a I don't know, a, a lake, whatever it is, it's something that's just got to reset you. I actually love that, mate, because that's true. It's like, <laughs> do something completely dramatically different from what you're doing. I think even, you know, you look at people at night, sometimes people go to work, come home, sit, do nothing. It's like, well, could, could you freaking book the pictures at seven o'clock, do something totally out with something that you would normally do and it's, I think it's the first time you do it mate you're like oh that was good and then you broke the rut Bro, and it's, that, that's exactly that mate it's just breaking that negative cycle and as it's just it's just doing something completely outside your normal routine and that, that'll that break it and give, give you that little platform to go and build on healthier habits that can obviously help you mentally, emotionally, physically it's something I want to talk about is 
using negative energy, negative life experiences, just that negative energy as a positive. Mm-hmm. It's something, I'll, I'll share a story about my past. There's when I was going through my gambling addiction and I was wanting to escape the chaos of how I was feeling, all the negative feelings, all the negative thoughts. My escape route from the carnage was joining the Marines. Yep. And what I used as the fuel, mate, for my fire was all the negative stuff I was feeling. When, when I was in that negative rut, that negative cycle, I used it to my advantage. So when I went to the Royal Marine Recruit Training, when the times did get challenging, when times did get tough, I would use all that negative energy, the negative emotions, the past experiences to really dig deep and get through all the challenging times. So I wouldn't revert back to my old lifestyle, my old habits, my old ruts. So that's probably another thought, I've went right off track, probably another form of motivation. Is using negativity as fuel? I think you're right, people see negativity as a bad thing, but it can be used for good as well, you know, that person that told you you weren't good enough, you weren't fit enough, you you weren't whatever it was, using that as motivation to go and prove them wrong, I suppose. One of the biggest ones we were speaking about in the last podcast was relationships and breaking up for relationships and then building a resilient mindset for that. If you've been broke up with and you've been rejected, somebody doesn't want to be in you, they've all been there, how they feelings feel. Doesn't it feel good, does it? No, it doesn't feel good at it's all. The worst, it's the worst thing in the world. You feel as if your world's collapsing down, somebody's rejected you, you're taking, you're getting all emotional, you're in your head, you're thinking about that person, you're attached to that person, it's causing chaos within you. But I think that's probably the most powerful energy somebody could ask for in terms of self-improvement, self-growth, building a growth mindset, because they can then harness all that stuff that's going on in them and refocus it into building themselves back up physically, mentally, emotionally. How many times have you seen people who've been broken up with and then they go and use all that negative energy to go and do great things in their life? Like, like one of the biggest things. People get broken up with and then they're like, right, I'm going to go to the gym. I've got to go and get my hair done. Yep, yep. I've got to go and get my nails done. Oh, I've got to get... And that's a, that's a great example using negative energy to your advantage. Mm-hmm. 100% and we probably don't use it enough we see it's a bad thing like I'm feeling all this negative emotion but it can be like definitely for positive and the thing is it's a period of reflection where you can sit back and say right all these things happen to me for whatever reasons what what can I do to make sure that doesn't happen again I suppose effectively 100% I love for me I love negativity, mate. I love no, I don't love neg- I love using negativity as a positive. Y- yes. For me, I look at all the I reflect back my past and I look at all my periods of growth. It's through negativity, it's through negative things such as my get my addiction, hit my rock bottom, breakups. I've used all the things as platforms to go and be better. I think if we talk about like um from a body perspective, mate, like a physical perspective. Sometimes when you speak to people, you see people that are just uh, average Joes, like maybe just carrying a little bit of extra body fat. Sometimes it's hard for them to get motivated or determined to change because they've not had a point. They don't have that much negativity towards it. Whereas somebody that's been told, look, if you don't lose five stone, you're going to have a heart attack in the next three weeks. The, the differential between their thinking and their mindset is... Night and day, does that make sense? Aye, mate, it, make, it makes total sense, mate. I think it's, 
I think it's a big part of that comes out of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So people being self-aware of their situation, their circumstances, how they're feeling about themselves, how they're feeling about their body, their body image, the things you're talking about there. And then just going, do you know what? If I want to be better, I have to make that decision. I think it comes down to making that decision within somebody to go, do you know what, right? It's either... So if, I'm not getting off track here, but when I was hit, hit my rock bottom, I sat on the edge of my bed, mate, and I was like, right, this gambling's either got to take me down and then you've got to sink, or I'm going to swim. Mm-hmm. And I, that was the day I was like, I decided I'm going to swim. And that was my turning point after basically spending about, I think it was five grand in the bookies at all. I know, I know, mate, crazy. I just walked back down the road and I sat on the edge of my bed. This is me at my lowest ever, I say lowest point. MD who's a gambler or knows a gambler, rock, you have a rock bottom every time you lose all your money. I take it you do. Aye, that's the, do that's do, the does that make sense? So it's not every loss is a rock bottom. But this time, something just changed in me. I just sat there and I just done right. I'm either got to go, it's either got to go one way or the other. And what? then it, it was a decision. And what everybody, do you think it was? everybody asked me about your your turning, as you call it, the turning point. Mm-hmm. And what happened? Everybody's different. People have certain things that happen, maybe a scare or whatever, or whatever it is. I can't speak for anybody else, but mine was just something just clicked in me that day. I sat on the edge of my bed. And for that day, I just never gambled. No, never again? I, never again, mate. I just didn't. I mean, I got it was actually I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. If I keep going down this road, I'm going to die. I need to change this. Uh, and for that day, I, I did have support for my friend who mm-hmm. helped me. He's like, right, let's go around. We'll get in all the, the the bookies in the area. We'll ban you. We'll get this calendar. This is a calendar method. You put the calendar up every day. You stop gambling. You cross the cal- the calendar off. So I started doing that, and I just aimed for a week. Yep. So he's like, right, a week of no gambling. Crossed it off. Crossed it, he's right. Like, now we've got to aim for 30 days of no gambling. Crossed it all off. Now he's like, right, now we've got to aim for 90 days. Crossed it all off. And that was the power. And within that period of time, there was a lot of things happened, mate. I would say spiritually. A lot, a lot of things happened to me that during that period. It felt so surreal. And one of the stories for the for the for the boot camp, it was just right was when we started the boot camp, mate, when that when when this went off, like Five years ago, six years ago, uh-huh. it was coming back for Pollock, Pollock Park, and there's shops just at the end of my street, and I pulled up, went into the, the, the shop, got some water and that, and then Gary, Amy's, oh, yeah. Gary, Amy, Amy pulled up behind me, and all before that, there was just surreal things happening to me, and she's like, I just want to make sure you're alright, is everything alright, and I'm like... Fuck, fuck the she know. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, like, just like, ah, you're just like, what, what's going on here? And I'm like, I am all right, Amy. She's like, oh, I just want to make sure because I've got your dad here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my dad? Why the fuck? Ah, he's just telling me that everything's got to be all right. How the fuck do you know about a dad? My dad passed away when I was 20. Yep. So I'm like, ah, everything's fine. Everything's fine, Amy. So she jumped in the water and I was like, what just happened there? So I've like well, I've like jumped in the car, went back down the back down the road. I sat I, I just sat on my couch and I'm just like that was serious as fuck. 
I just, I just, I just burst out crying, mate, because I was like, what the fuck happened there? Do you know what I mean? How did she know about my dad? So I didn't know the whole ins and out. One of the girls I was seeing at the time, she was like in with this spiritual community and that, so I messaged her and she's sent me the number to some like medium or whatever, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to phone her. So I messaged her first, she's like, I'll phone me, son. So I phoned her, I told her the story, and then she started telling me, like... My uncle's here, blah, blah, blah. You've got your, your best mate, Kate's here, your dad's, all these people she wouldn't know me. I she just knew them. I'm just like, <laughs> then after that, I just came over, I started crying again. I was like, fucking hell, what's happening here? So after that, I was like, right, my dad had passed away. I'd not been to his grave. I don't think I'd been to his grave years, mate. I don't think I'd been to his grave. It was up on campus line. So I was like, right, fuck it. I'm going up to his grave. Went to his grave, mate, and I couldn't find it. Fuck. But Kate, who my, my mate, my mate, my, my best friend, his mother passed away, but his gran and granda knew where their graves were. Mm-hmm. So I went to his gran and granda's grave, and right next to it, two graves, was my dad's grave. And I'm like, fucking hell, he's here, it's here. And I had like a wooden cross there, and I'm like, fucking hell. And it had like these rose type petal things, and I was just looking at it going, fucking hell man this is surreal it's so surreal and I was like I picked the cross up took it I had a gravestone but the cross because it had his name on it and it up and Amy messaged me saying something like something about your dad's here and, and red rose and I'm like red rose fucking petals I think and it was what was there mate. I, was like, I was like oh my god what's going on here man I sent her a picture of him I'm like you kidding me on honestly I was I was so Skeptical of all this stuff, mate, until this started happening mm-hmm. to me, and, and I was like, all the the sequences, events unfolded after that were, were, were scary, mate. I went then went to my auntie's to tell her the story, and I started telling her the story what happened about the 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 medium and that, and she was telling me about the people who had passed away, and in my auntie's house, my my <laughs> my uncle's daughter was sitting there, and I mentioned. It was a, I can't remember her, her, grand, her, her mum's name. And I mentioned, I was mentioning his name, but she, the, the medium mentioned a, a woman to me, and I was like, I don't know who that is. And Jackie went up the stairs, and she's went away up, and then come back, and she's like, when I went away, man, he was like, hey, that was Jackie's mum. That person, and she was there, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on? Does that is uh, that? Have I lost you in this story?" No. So when I went to tell her, and I didn't know who the medium who told me this woman was, it was actually her mum who'd passed away. It's it's crazy, mate. Yeah. It's like stuff that you wouldn't even fucking think is real. So this was this was the when I'd stopped all this five six years ago, the gambling and that made just as we started the book camp. This is when all this stuff started unfold like this. Uh-huh. The, the, I'd say it's a spiritual awakening and understanding about things are just made harm to you in life, like tight, like things just harm. And I would say I was speaking to Craig on the third podcast, and he mentioned uh-huh. something quite important: is there's loads of signs. There is, mate, we just There's loads of signs you just don't see them until you're ready to see them. Yep. And I think that's the turning point for people. You, there's loads of signs there for you to turn. It's just whether you see one and and actually let the things unfold. I think it's hard sometimes for people to see them, isn't it? Like, as you say, there's 
how many were there before that one? It's just at that time that you are you are ready to accept it and see it. Yeah, yeah. I felt as if I just went on one, for one there. Because <laughs> <Yeah, I'm good. laughs> the probably the people that watch this that will have a, had a similar experience. Yeah, I've always wanted to go to like a a medium or something like that. Mate, honestly, I never ever ever. I'll say I never ever believed in anything like that until all the sequence of events started happening around about that time mm-hmm. as I gave up the gambling and it was it was it's crazy and every now and again I get you get signs and things that you you, you tune into now and that's that was my awakening for things like now I see what society is for like for me gambling and drinking it's like look what it's doing to you I know and that. And the reason I call it pitfalls of society, mate, is because it's legal. Like, alcohol is probably the biggest killer, the biggest drug that is a possession. People are going out every weekend getting pissed and knowing control of their physical and their mental and they're doing stupid stuff. And it's still got this culture of it's acceptable, it's all right. It's all right to get pissed and make an arse of yourself and be in control of yourself. It's all right to jump in your motor and go and fucking drive and... That that alone should be bad. If we lived in a culture or a society that was set up for people to thrive, mate, I think boozing, the gambling shops, gambling, see the gambling shops, the the slot roulette machines. There must be. I, I don't know how many people they've probably killed, mate. Oh, the thing and they're still really... and they're still legal, and it still entices people. <coughs> in. They also they pick them in areas where they're more likely to get business. You know, places where people are unemployed and have got time in their hands, and they're going to go into their shops and spend more money, which probably isn't right in itself that they they can do that. But I suppose how how do you change it or stop it, other than people realizing that it's it's not it shouldn't be acceptable? No, well, my, that's where my ga- that's where my gambling addiction started. It started from harmless putting curtains on, mm-hmm. so. My stepdad, my mates, brothers and that would take our kittens down, they would get out, put them on, maybe sitting in front of me on a Saturday watching Soccer Saturday, our results coming in. So it started for that early, it was like 14, I would say. Then, I don't know if you played at school, Chippy. <laughs> so it was basically you had money and you'd throw a fucking, you'd throw a coin to the wall. And it'd be the clo- <laughs> you know that one? They called it jingles. Jingles. So that's where it's starting. You'd have a pocket and you'd be fucking... That's where the, the dopamine and the addiction started. The, the, the gambling, just things like that. And that's and I look back and I go, fucking hell, you never had a chance. So, I suppose I'm going to... What did you get for gambling? Like Was that, was it just a high? Like, was it endorphins? Ah, it was just a dopamine hit, mate. It, was just an, it just felt... When things get tough for me, we run about a period of my, with, with my life, run about 15, 16, 17, 18, when my mum and my stepdad started breaking up, there was a carnage in the house, so there wasn't really anywhere to turn to, and I just turned to really fully submerging myself in gambling. Also, run about that period of time, I was playing with Hamilton Ackies, so it was, it was quite a crucial period in my life in terms of what direction I was going to get in and what path I was going to get in because I was I played in the same team as James McArthur who's went on and had Aye. amazing career. Do you know what I mean? And you look at boys like that and you think, fucking hell, that could have been me where you start going, if only I screwed the nut then or if I had the right back and the right support. And I probably say that probably hampered me all through my life because I was starting to, f- I, I relate everything and they know making it as a footballer. Yeah. 
So my mindset was that I'm not good enough. I should have been a footballer. I get told I wasn't good enough at that that age. I get released, and I've let that affect me, mate. So I let somebody's opinion of of me affect my reality. Whereas as opposed to if I had the mindset I've built for myself now and I transported it back to that eighteen year old, different story. And if I, if I did get a knockback for Hamilton, I would have. Continued on and went and got an art club, but I never had just done for guess when I had a gamble and drinking and all the crazy stuff that, that people do nowadays, and I just went into pure self destruction mode. So, do you think you, you just took their opinion as, well, that's just. I think, I think, a, I think a lot of people do that. It's letting somebody else's opinion of you determine your reality comes through. It does, big, 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 big Les Brown, like cliche Les Brown is, is, is now when you. you it's never let that happen to you. Use it as motivation to prove, not to them, but just prove to yourself that you can go and make it, you can go and achieve your goals, you can go and be successful in life. And that was one of my biggest, That, that that's probably a, a regret of mine back then, but yeah. I didn't see it back then, mate, because I try not to blame myself for what happened to me with gambling because I see how society is now. It's, it's set up my way, as I called it, a game. Where there's so many fucking pitfalls, it's so hard for people to negotiate life. There's and so ha- many along the way, aren't there? Alcohol is an escapism. People are escaping their lives, and alcohol is addictive because it's giving them that escapism. Gambling's addictive because it's giving them that escapism. Drugs, cocaine, all the other ones, ecstasy. The, these are all things to escape reality. Do you know what I mean? Do you think people want to escape the reality? Because they're, ju- they're just doing mundane things, like things that don't interest them, you know. Like. Well, I like how pre- prevalent it is now, mate, in life, where people are working 95, going out of the weekends and escaping their life, mm-hmm. as opposed to using weekends to build the life you want. And that's something I say to everybody, is work hard all week, save your money, don't spend it on a Friday down the pub or in the gambling shop. Save it and invest it into yourself. Go get a personal trainer. Go do a course. Go find out what you want to do as a career. Go try different things. Go and join walking groups, hill walking groups, cold water therapy groups. Go and do these things that are got to build your life as opposed to what we've just spoken about there. As, as you'll know, like, it's a culture, in it? See if, if somebody's listening now and they, maybe they feel like they are just sort of living for the weekend just want to a wee escape what, what's like the first step they can maybe take towards like I don't know realising what they want maybe I think I think a lot of people struggle with that in life mate like people say you know, it goes back to being a child mate what do you want to do when you grow up it's a difficult question so how does somebody know like what do I want to do I was actually speaking to somebody about this the other day about when you're at that age and you're just like you've not got a fucking clue yeah, you've got you you get so much pressure on you. Mm-hmm. Massive. You've decided at 16 what you want to do for the rest what of your you, life. What you want to do, there's, there's, no, there's no real guidance, is it? This is the, this is, that's what it goes back to, is the system is creating people to work, to do jobs. Yes. Obviously, we need certain job roles in society to make society function. Things like people like doctors, builders. We need all these career paths, but we are probably sent down into these routes as opposed to our creative side. Yes. I think our creative side gets things like we were talking about, is like 
uh, uh, I wasn't as much told get a job, but uh, I don't know. Um, probably people can relate to this. Is like, like what I go and do something. Or say play the piano, be a singer, be a yeah, football, yeah. and I'm like that. Nah, go and get, go and get a job. Go and get a trade. You need to make money. You need to do this. You need to do that. Some people have obviously not got that option either. They have to provide for the family as soon as they leave school. Yes. So they're like. This is no particularly what I do, but I, I have to do it because it's a means to support the people that, that need me. And then I suppose for those people, it's a case of making sure that you're not trying to escape your life at the weekends, but using the weekends as an opportunity to do the side hustle, the thing that you want to do, whether it be you know singing, piano, whatever, something that you actually like. This instead of you know don't go out boozing and trying to escape from what you have, just try and make it a little bit better. That's, that was probably the, that's a game changer for for me over the last six years, mate. On the journey, uh, coming off the gambling and the drink and all the other chaos, is it was the weekends. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? The weekends were self destruction mode. For example, you'd, this was the cycle. I would booze on a Friday, Saturday. I could get a hold of money from my gambling. Self destruction mode. Hangover Sunday, go to work in the Monday, drive to off, energy vampires, do the fitness, like we spoke about, do the fitness, this is what we spoke about the last but it was that vicious cycle, Feel yeah. start to feel like a normal human being, then... Repeat. Yeah, repeat, and it's something you, you have to, I guess, be self-aware of. I think a lot of people are self-aware, as it's, it's, we've just spoke about there, they just don't know how to start and break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Because usually it's formed around a lifestyles where the culture is that your friends are out boozing, your work colleagues, whoever it is, and we're in that cycle. And we don't see the harm we're doing to ourselves until it, over a consistent period of time you sit down and go, I'm fucking 30 here, I'm 25, I'm 30, whatever, and I'm like, I've got, I've got fuck all to show for, my, show for my name in terms of, I don't know what direction I'm going in my life, I don't know what path I'm going down and that's when I think the realisation comes in for people that need to change I think you summed it up there when people said like the people that you're surrounding yourself by aren't going to say what you're doing is wrong because they're doing the exact same thing as you they're not going to say oh don't booze every weekend because they're doing the exact same don't have the drugs don't don't bet don't whatever um, aye, so I think it's, it's, it's it can be hard to break free of course, of course I think it comes down to the thing a change yeah, and break. People like change, but it's, yeah. it's. I think it's easy. That's the easy route. Yeah. So just boozing every weekend, just who gives a shit that type of life, which is like for the path I'm on. It's it's been hard. It's been a hard journey. Taste no drink every weekend. Thoughts are still there to no gamble. Yeah. To do to keep up this this hard work that I've put in. It's continuous every single day. It's the easy life is that life. So people then have that option to actually want to go and put the fucking graft in and and be a better version for of myself, not only for me but for those who are around me, my family, those who I support and I love. That's the option, and that's what scares people to change. That's why people stay in that cycle, mate, is because. They look at it and go, fuck, there's a long journey ahead of me. I think that's it, mate. And I think that puts people off as thinking too far ahead, like thinking, I don't know if I can go a year without any booze, whereas if you could just say, okay, just do one weekend. 
But I think it comes down to it's taking risks. Yeah. So you have to go, right, I'm ready to take a risk on myself. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to change the whole course and direction of my life. And we go back to that, how do we go out the rut? We need to do something completely outside the box. So right. if you do want to go to that rut, you drink every weekend, then don't get one weekend and break the cycle. Say no to the people. It's not easy. Definitely not. It's no easy. You'll see that your circle of friends will get smaller and smaller. You'll see that you're only friends with people because they're there. They're the person standing next to you at the bar, drinking the, the, the vodka or taking the line in the toilets. That's why you've formed a friendship with them. Because yeah, you had something in common. Something in common. And when, never removed that. When you start taking yourself away from that, you go, it, it's a lonely, it can be a lonely journey. And I think it can be a lonely journey in this culture, mate, because this culture and the full social aspect to the culture, uh, uh, not just Glasgow, Scotland, the UK, is all based around alcohol. It's Because obviously, mate, I, I don't drink. Um, but every time I'm out, I feel like I have to justify myself as to why, <laughs> as to why I don't drink. But I shouldn't really have to justify myself, should I? Should, nobody should even question why you're not drinking. Obviously, as soon as you... Or the coke or whatever, and people are like, How come you're not drinking tonight? Like, people just need to know but it's, it's conditioned and also stirs up insecurity in other people. That's the why they're so doing for it. Your, your start, if somebody's starting to change their mindset, change their habits, change their lifestyle, and you're like, Nah, I'm not drinking tonight, I'm just going to come out and no drink, or I'm not coming out tonight, then they're like, Maybe it's something internally triggers in them, like. I know what I'm doing, I'm not going, I'm, uh, uh, I'm at a dead end here. I'm at this person starting to move on and that starts to evoke a little bit of insecurity in someone else. So they then go, why no? Why are you not drinking? Why are you not coming out? Oh, you're boring. But all these types of sins, some of them, as you can say, it, it just be subtly, people know intentionally. You think of it as a biggest barrier of someone starting their journey is the other half. Yes. How that partner, how how that's so important in a relationship, your other half being supportive of you on your journey. So if you're ready to make change, build a, a resilient mindset, a good lifestyle for yourself, and your partner has to be on board with it. Your partner can't be ordering justice. No. Your partner can't be telling you things like don't go to the gym tonight or just skip or do what if you're trying to lose body fat and become a better version of yourself. Do you think that's more common than? People would make out, especially when, let's just say, somebody starts to get results, so they start to lose the weight and they start to look a wee bit better. I think their partner is likely to try and sabotage them a wee bit because they're a little bit jealous that they're managing to do something that maybe they could. It could possibly, it could possibly be a je jealousy and and starting to grow. Whereas I think when we're talking about relationships, is you want to grow together, so yes. maybe start the journey, starting the journey. Together, as opposed to one person starts it, another person is just staying in the same habits and same routines. But for the bo for both people come together and go, do you know what, right, we've got to make change. We've got to get out of the rut of just going out every weekend and drinking as a couple and socialising with other couples who are drinking. And as opposed to go, right, we'll change together, we'll start, we'll join the gym, we'll get a personal trainer, we'll go and do things like go hill walking as opposed to getting out drinking. Obviously, I think the full basis of a relationship, yourself, is having separate 
lives as well. Yes. And having that balance. It can be difficult to have the balance, mate, as you say, because if something brought you together, for example, the booze, and then one of you is like, I'm not boozing anymore, but the other one still wants to, probably eventually then the you're going to go your separate ways because the things that you had in common in the first place are no longer the things that you have in common. But equally, it is important that you've got separate things that you like to do that doesn't just involve the other person. No, 100%. And obviously, we're on this, the, the, the topic of mindset and building resilience for relationships and friendships. That will make or break your mindset, the people you, you, you're surrounded with. So it, it is doing, for me, it's doing a self-audit, mm-hmm. sitting down and going, right, where do I spend my most time? Who do I give my most energy to? Is that person good for my soul? Is that person good for my spirit? Are they lifting me up or do they antagonise me? Do they bring, do they, do, they, do they drag me down? Is all I've got in common with them is drinking every weekend? Is all I've got in common with them is sitting with them and working a Monday morning complaining about everybody? So all this is taking away for you, your energy, who you are as a person, is the, the people you're surrounded with. And I think the saying is, you're the average of the five people you hang around with. Definitely. And giant people will get some sh- some shock revelations if they were to sit down and write down who they spend the most time with and how they feel about them. Giant people should be preparing themselves to be maybe not disappointed but surprised at actually how much people are bringing them down or not supporting them I think me as the first person you should be that sitting down with and having an audit with is yourself yep. your self relationship before Definitely. you start going because you could be the energy vampire you could be the one bringing everybody down you could be the one with the mindset the negative mindset so first and foremost fix the relationship we have with yourself look at the areas in our life that need it needs serious work, uh, things like physically, mentally, emotionally. Look at all the areas, and then you can then look at the relationships around about you. Who who's bad for me? Who's good for me? Because that taking you back to my addiction, I had to sort the relationship with myself. Uh, yeah. Once I started that. to sort the relationship with myself, I started to see the relationships around about me that weren't good for me. The people who I, hang, I was hanging about with because of gambling and drink, they disappeared. Because I've started fixing myself. I started looking at why am I doing these things. I started looking at areas like, like why do I feel this way? Like, why am I why am I addicted? Why have I done it all the years? Started asking myself the question, what was the escapism? Why did I get caught up in this? And when you start fixing yourself and you start looking after yourself and you start building a proper relationship with yourself, you start being kind to yourself positive thinking, you start taking actionable steps, which we've spoken about, mate, is, is the biggest game changer. And you start being compassionate and kind to yourself. You'll then start creating boundaries within your life with the people that you surround yourself with and the people you associate with and the people you allow to steal your energy. Yeah. I think people <clears throat> struggle with that initial part, mate, of looking at themselves getting to know themselves do, do, do they like themselves what don't they like about themselves people often I think people just bypass that a bit because it I suppose it's quite a deep conversation to have with yourself isn't it massive it's a reality though isn't it yeah that is you can bury your head in the hand the sand for so long but you have to be okay with yourself you have to make sure you have to do you have to just as I say is like if you want to build yourself up 
and you want to find your purpose, you want to find your passion in life, is stand up, look at yourself in the mirror and have a conversation with yourself. Ask yourself some good questions. Am I exercising daily? Am I eating healthy, nutritious foods? Am I surrounded with good people with good intentions? Am I speaking to myself in a positive manner every single day? And that gives that will give you more answers about your life than it will searching externally. It will. Do you get me? Yep. Yeah, I think, yeah. If people can just look in the mirror, mate, and have that conversation with themselves, so we'll probably be a better place, but I think lots of people decide to just hide in the sand and don't want to face that reality because it can be harsh. Uh, harsh. There's a, a, a loaded back to me it gets to that point where it's the easy route out, isn't it? Yeah, to definitely. Bit. We start seeing everybody else as a fucking problem. Yep, yep. No my fault. Is. Yep, never is. No my fault. We play the victim, the victim. I was a victim mentality for years. Mm-hmm. Buried my head in the sand. Everybody else's fault. The reason I couldn't keep up with a relationship. Her fault. Her fault. Her fault. Didn't look at myself. Yeah, to do, you, mate. Yep. Do, do you know what I mean? I didn't go, wait a minute. Who's the common denominator in my life? It's fucking me. I'm, I'm in charge of it. I'm responsible for it. I need to, that's where I think it comes down to is taking responsibility mm-hmm. and going right now or never if you keep continually burying your head in the sand the time you get older it's harder to change you're making that an uphill struggle for yourself don't get me wrong everybody can change mm. yep but the more you keep compounding these negative habits and negative ways of thinking then it gets harder to go to that hole it does but you can climb out it. You can get ladders and get out it. You just have to be willing to stand up and go, right, I'm going to take responsibility for this. Is there any point in your life, mate, where you've sat down and you've done, right, this has to change? <laughs> Probably more times I've been on to count, mate. Nah, I definitely, I think, lots of times, mate, obviously, the first one was talking about when I just didn't want to be here anymore. The second one, there's definitely been times I've looked at my bank account and thought, right, this can't go on, you know, can't keep living paycheck to paycheck, like, I want to... I've got, I've, I've, I don't want I've, I've got a good question for you. Yeah. What about building resilience as a parent, as a dad? It's a hard one, because I think you, when you become a dad... What changes there? What changes in your life? Like, right, because I've not got kids, but I could imagine going, right, I've got responsibility for somebody else. It, and what I, what I think now is... People have kids, but they're not even fucking responsible for them. No, oh, they don't, they don't, it's like, I think that, for me, it should be a wake-up and go, right, I've got a child here, I'm responsible for it, I want to teach it good how I want to make sure it's got the best life, it's got values. For me, when I have kids, that's what, do you know what I mean? That's what I'm like, I'm like, you chose to bring that kid into this world, you have to, cho- you have to choose to be better for it. That was always my thing, mate, it's like, I never really wanted any kids, but when I had one, I was like, well, I'm going to be the best dad that I can possibly be. And that means that you have to make some sacrifices. You have to do things that you don't want to do. You have to take responsibility for for every action that you do because kids don't do what you tell them, mate. They, they act as to how you show them. And Elise is probably a prime example, mate. She exercises loads. She thinks it's good to, to give cuddles and show love and affection because I show all these things. But... How many people ham off that responsibility now to, to grandparents? How many grandparents now, mate, to be honest with you, are raising the kids because the, the parents aren't responsible enough to even look after themselves, let alone a kid? But 
you're right in saying that that should be the wake up call. I think for anybody, if anybody's got a kid, that should be your wake up call to right. I'm not responsible for somebody else. I need to change myself first so I can help this child. Hundred percent. So something I get all the the the, the and kicking recruits is why? What's your why? Why? Why do you want to change? First and foremost, they go right when you're going to write down why you want to change. And the first sentence has to be you. You have to be the reason yep. for you. Then if you've got kids, next sentence, for my children, for my child, for my daughter, for my son. And that should be the fucking, your why, why do you want to change? Right. Fundamentally, it's you. Then I think if you've got kids, mate, the next line should be to be the best parent I can be. 100%. To be the best role model that I can be. Then whatever else you want to put in that why. And when you do start your journey, you can always revert back to that. I think it's important that you do revert back, mate, I think there's obviously going to be tough times along the way, but if you have a reminder as to why you're doing it for yourself, why you're doing it for your family, you can sort of, right, brush yourself off and go again. 100, 100%, mate. I think the why, it's the fail-safe mechanism when, t- when times get tough on it. Yeah. Uh, what's your why? Mine's is definitely at least, like, I just want her to have the, the best life possible. Um, I pretty much do anything, you know, if, if it meant that she had a better life, like I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice, not my life, but like I'm willing to make big sacrifices so that her life is easier. But I don't want her life to be easy because I don't think you learn anything from that. But at least if she struggled or done the right things that I'm there to support and help her. Do you think many people sit there and go, why? Why am I doing the things I'm doing? No, because I think sometimes people don't. It's, I think it's, I suppose that's reality again, mate. It's when you sit and, Stop and think, why am I doing this? You maybe don't have any reasons. Like, why do you go out boozing every weekend? Because I want to see my mates. But are they really your mates if that's all you've got in common with them? Why did I do this job? Because I got a degree in it. Does it make you happy? Does it fulfil you? Like, And then it's, I suppose it's the reality of, oh, I wasted four years. But you didn't waste four years because you've learnt loads on the journey. Yeah. Now it's an opportunity to pivot it. And yeah. Just as you say, you're starting from a little bit further up than where you were. You might need to take a step back sometimes, but that doesn't mean you're all the way back. Something you need to take a step back to go forwards. I think it's when you are at that point in your life and you're looking up the mountain and you see the flag, the success, and many people start to climb it and they get there, but they forget about all the steps on the way. Aye. They forget to enjoy the process, the journey. They forget to get up there. When they get up there, it's like, is this it? Is this it? I think like what you're saying there is, ah, you like, why am I starting? Why am I changing? But when you do get started and when you do start climbing that mountain and you do hit the points in the mountain where they challenge you, instead of enjoying that process, the, the challenge, what can I learn for this? What was the barrier? What was the obstacle? And then when you step over it and you start climbing again, you can appreciate and enjoy where you're going in life as opposed to just getting fixated on on right the outcome. Which which as I say, mate, is always a the, the non starter because yep. people look at the outcome instead of looking at the journey. Aye. And I think you know, you could bring up the example, mate, of like somebody making a hundred grand a year. If you're making a hundred grand a year but you don't see your kids and you're never at home and you work all the time, you've kinda of missed the point, haven't you? A hundred percent, and that's like it's a different building a mindset around. Like, I always think what type. So, what type of person? So, for me, I go right set myself targets. What type of person do I need to be to be leading 
60 people in a coaching programme. What type of person do I need to be to be earning 10 grand a month? Yep. What type of person do I need to be, be earning 20 grand a month? Mm-hmm. So you always need to think, right, what type of person is that that I want to be? And what's the actionable steps I'm going to have to take to get there? Definitely. And why do I want to do this? And why do I want to get there? What's got to be, what's got to be the benefit? How am I going to feel internally? What's the what's the self satisfaction? Satisfaction. Satisfaction. Self satisfaction about about this. What, what, how's it got to make you feel? And I don't think many people sit there and go, "How's things got to make me feel? What, what, what's, what's it got to make me feel to change? What's the benefit got to be?" As opposed to looking at. The, the negative side, the, the hard work side, the, the, I need to do all these things. And then, as, as, as you say, if you've got to do hard things, like do exercise, don't think about how hard it is and how you feel before it. Think about how things make you feel after it. Yep. I've got to feel amazing. I've got to, the endorphins have got to be flown. Everything's hard, mate. You've just got to, like, it's, it's hard to be fat and it's hard to exercise, but which one probably reaps the most benefit? A hundred. They're they're both hard. You just need to pick the one. Yeah, a hundred percent. And when it comes to fat loss, something we've worked with, how does somebody build that that resilience on the fat loss journey in terms of keeping up consistency to start visualizing what they want, how they want to feel? Yep. Um, I think. Well, number one, obviously, marking progress is probably a good one. So you've got your before pictures, you've got your measurements. And I think as well, it's important about to mark about how you feel. So how did you feel when you first started? Because if you write all these things down, like, I feel so sluggish. I feel like I've got brain fog. I feel like I can't play with the kids. I feel like I can't touch my toes. Everything's a hassle in your life. If you then have written all this down and you've got something that you can look back to, maybe when you're six months down the line and you write down how you feel now, so you feel more energetic... I feel like I'm having a lot more fun with the kids. I'm not tired all the time. These are things that you've got to look back on. Because it's easy to get lost and think you're not making progress, mate. But look back and say, well, look look where I was and look at the improvements that I've made. Yeah, 100%. It's something that, touching on that, that question is motivation. So motivational stuff and building a, a, a resilient mindset when people are trying to lose fat and you get a lot of motivational speakers like think it's all grind grind you need to be up at fucking 5am in the morning you have to be pounding the streets you know, all this sort of stuff and I think it's the, the complete opposite I think it's being self-aware what works for you I think that's important mate, for anything what works for you and I think that's where people get caught in this trap what we were talking if you did take it back to that self-help we were speaking about is it could possibly be detrimental when I'm thinking about it in terms of like if, if you're watching yeah, if you're saying if you're saying how you're successful is you have to be running a hundred miles, you have to be doing a thousand pull ups, yeah. you have to be up at five AM again taking a cold shower and all that. I'm actually gonna touch that, on David Goggins there because I like David Goggins, mate. But I just think he's unrealistic for the modern person. Like it's not it, like for me to even be remotely like him just isn't realistic. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's good for motivation, but 
in terms of he's a, a different breed of person. He isn't just he? is, isn't he? He's a different animal. He's a good motivator. He's he, he's amazing. To be fair, he's just unhuman. Because I've tried to, I've, well, I've tried to run two hundred miles. And I know the mindset behind it, and, I, and I've failed twice. Yeah. So I know what I know what type of person it it, it needs to take to to achieve something like that. Hundred uh, percent. And he's he's good because he he's, he's a good motivator because he can get people up off the couch. He can get people fucking moving. Mm-hmm. But I, I get the person has to realise is it's my journey. Yes, no David Goggins' journey. It's, I'm not comparing myself it, to a- a good one. X, Y, and Z person. My sole focus is right. Which my wins? Which my targets? Yep. Which my motivation is your motivation? Running your first five k. Your motivation losing X, Y, and Z body fat, as opposed to then, as, as I've said there, compare, compare, comparison. Definitely, um, I think that comparison kills a lot of people's journeys, mate. Don't it? Cause if you're if you're starting off and you're comparing yourself to David Goggins, right? That's just a recipe for disaster. Like that, that would be enough for you to feel like a failure, mate. You know, did you feel like you weren't good enough because you couldn't run that hundred mile marathon, even though he could? So no, no, I never even came yeah, in. That's it, what I mean. It's the reason I attempted it was he gave me the motivation to yes. attempt it. And I realised after when I got seventy three miles in and I started season up, I was like, there's a lot more gets into this than because I believed that I was mentally strong and I was fit and strong enough because I always believed I was a good runner. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've always, no, I've always known that I've been good at running. I've been because that's what I did all through my childhood. I ran everywhere. I walked. I played football. I was always good. So I'd built that into my system. But when I went to take on that challenge, I was probably a wee bit more, what's the word, a wee bit more cocky than I thought it would have been easy. Yeah. When I failed it, it gave me a reality check. I was like, right, there's got, there needs to be more preparation into things like this. You can see behind the sort of mindset of that guy. Is that guy just got a better mindset than me in terms of resilience, in terms of where I was hurting? Was he able to fight through that? Yep. So then you can compare that sort of stuff. Yes. Or is he just fitter and his body wasn't his, his felt as broken? Is he just mentally stronger? So right. that that's where you can compare yourself. I could compare myself to him because mm-hmm. I got to a certain point and I was like, I can't continue. Did he get to that point? But does that make it where he, he still I, he, continued he just on? Yeah, it just, exactly bat- same. just battled through it. So you could go with that because then I tried it. I made a second attempt and I got, I got less. I got 63 miles and I was like, Am I starting to get in my own mind here? I think that's that's what that sounds like there, doesn't it? Like, because I got less, and I'm like, and I've never tried it again. I'm, I'll, I'll go for, I'll <laughs> go, I, I, will, I will, I will go for time for it mm-hmm. because not at the moment because I've got too much going on in different areas of my life, and it takes a lot up a lot of time. But I'll put further preparation and to get prepared. Yep. For it, and just to finish up. I think the biggest thing with building a, a as always mindset of building a new you is planning and preparation. Yeah, it's massive, mate. And it's, you know those habits, discipline, planning, preparation. It's it's kind of almost doing the bone stuff, day in day out, isn't it? Hundred percent. I think the planning preparation is to finish up. If somebody has got to start a journey, you're not going to get to your destination without a plan. No. Or without some guidance or some help to get there. Definitely not. Because you've tried that all your life. So 
I think we'll finish up on if somebody is at that stage in life where you're ready to make change and you're ready to go a certain place, start scaring, looking at different people who you have similar values to, who are successful, who are in, diff- are in an area of life where you want to get to. And abstract that blueprint. Take the blueprints, something we talk about at business. We do. If somebody's got a business that, that's successful, they've got a blueprint how they've got there. And that's the same with someone in life. If they've got somewhere like a good body, good, they've got a good career path, they've got a successful business, they've got a plan of action to get there, they've got a blueprint. So behind every successful person, they'll have a fucking blueprint to their success. So first and foremost, for you want to make change and get somewhere, plan. Then the preparation comes in and then the taking action. Have you got anything else you want to say, Adam, in terms of building resilience to finish up? I think you summed it up there, mate. It's probably to stop, take a minute for yourself, plan, prepare, take action, follow it through. Because, you know, talked about it again, if you don't take any action, you can't just get it in beliefs. You need to actually take some sort of action to get you to where you want to be. And uh, just remember that the tough, the tough times will come, but you've put all these habits, disciplines in place so that you can kind of brush them off a wee bit and move on. Happy day. So we'll finish up there, guys. As always, if you need any help building resilience, building a mindset, upgrading physically, mentally, emotionally, simply send us a little message and I'll get you set up in the live and kicking programme, guys. We'll give you any information. So cheers again.